Hey everybody, what is going on? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. We are brought to you by Dr. Paintball, where you can finance all the paintball markers that you can think of. You can go over there and take a look. Um, They have anything from Luxes to Egos to Geos to all kinds of stuff over there. Um, They also have used gear. And they have an about me section where you can learn about paintball, where they have blogs, they have videos, they have all kinds of stuff. And uh, I mean, the number one thing that I preach about with Dr. Paintball is that they finance. I think that's cool. Um, they they, they want to help you out. They want to they make sure that you get the paintball marker that you really want or the paintball gear that you really want, really. And uh and they're willing to uh, to help you out with that. So make sure you check them out at drpaintball.com. And if you have any kind of questions or anything like that, they have a great support system over there. Um, just under the, the contact segment, go ahead and give them an email, a call, and, uh, and they can help you out. Again, that's drpaintball.com. We are also brought to you by Charm City Paintball. And uh, he's been cranking out all kinds of headgear over there. Uh, you can find him on uh, on Facebook. I think he's working on a, a, a website still. But um, if you check him out on Facebook, Charm City Paintball, he has headgear up the wazoo. He, he just got some new prints out for uh, head wraps. And he can make a, a Velcro, Velcro um, like a head wrap. He has also a tie-back head wrap. He just put out some... Uh, some new headbands with three stripes. Um, it's all fabric stripes. It's not. Uh, it's not press-on print or anything like that. And uh, it's you have to check it out. Very cool. Limited runs on everything. Everything is like ten or less. And he can also work with you on making any kind of uh, any kind of custom gear. So if you want a custom headband that is just a specific print, he can help you do that. And uh, Great quality product. Uh, check him out at Charm City Paintball on Facebook and Instagram. Now I saw that he made an Instagram, so uh, make sure you uh, make sure you look him up. So thank you to Charm City. Also brought to you by Carbon Paintball, where they are coming out. Well, we I guess I'm a part of it. <laughs> um, we're coming out with new colors for the SC harnesses. So everybody loves that that SC pack, but um, we have now a gray, a blue. And a red coming out, but if you go to Char- uh, Ch- Charm City, if you go to CarbonPaintball.com, uh, the first thing that pops up are those three colors. You got to check them out. They're cool little designs on the side, new designs, and uh, they stand out. It, it, they look great. Um, awesome product. We have also the CC line coming out. There's gloves, pants, jerseys, all kinds of stuff shipping soon. But you can check them all out at CarbonPaintball.com. And last but not least, we are brought to you by Planet Eclipse, where they have the markers of your dreams over there, uh, at least for me. They have the new LV 1.5. They have the CS 1.5. They have the G-Tech series. I prefer the LVR. But I think that's just, if if I remember right, that is just a limited run. But those, man, if you can get your hands on one of those things, it's... It's a great-looking marker. You know, everybody was a little uh, skeptical at first with the LVR, I feel, because there's such a hard line 
at the end of the bolt there's such a hard chop uh, it's not nice and smooth or you know the lines were a little bit different than uh, than what they normally are with the LVRs or with their milling period um, but I mean it, I love the thing it's really grown on me and I think it shoots amazing and uh, as you can tell by all of my social media posts and everything I, I love shooting that thing and it's not it's not because Aftershock is sponsored by Planet Eclipse. I've been fortunate enough to be able to shoot those things throughout my uh, career, and I, you know, I can't say enough good things about the company itself. But they just make an amazing product, and uh, you can check it all out at PlanetEclipse.com. And that's the ads. We're through with the ads. I need another coffee break. Ah. Uh. This podcast is with Kirill Pridney, and this dude has been coming up through the ranks uh, through Russian Legion and just wasting people, man. I, I've seen him pull off moves, and he is he's one of those players, to me, who is just clutch. Like, when it's, when it's down to him and somebody else in, like, a one-on-one, or he is on the field... You and your and your team is you know down or something like that. He you have to count on him. You you can't you can't not count on him. The the guy's a beast. Um, I like I've like I said I he pulls off some great moves, some great shots. He's super smart paintball player. His field awareness is amazing. Um, but I really enjoy watching him play. And you just not 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 that he's super unpredictable. He just makes the right move at the right time. And he's a great leader too. I mean, he's 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 a great leader. He's really helping these kid these new kids on the Russian Legion come up and uh, you know have something to stand for, to fight for, and to play for. And he's he's a great part of that. And uh, I'm super stoked to see you know him still be a part of the Russian Legion camp and uh, and performing with them. So, uh, without further ado, here is the Kirill Pridney podcast. Kirill, thank you for sitting down with me, man. No problem. You've been trying to catch me for a long time, so <laughs> I had no chance to refuse. <laughs> yeah, I finally pinned you down in between uh, Millennium events and uh, any other traveling that you're doing. And, uh, you know, it's tough, though. I can't imagine your travel schedule of what you have to do to, to play on a team like Russian Legion. I mean, there is nothing so serious. Uh, there is only like two big leagues. Actually, right now it's only one league. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just whatever uh, from eight to nine events uh, a season, like from April till November. So it's a pretty good spread. Now, uh, let's kind of talk about how you got into paintball because I'm very curious at at how yourself and some of the other uh, well-known. Uh, Russian guys and even lesser known uh, Russian guys how you guys got into paintball and the paintball scene over in Russia so how, how did you find paintball you mean myself or yes. in general over here uh, let's start off with yourself how did how did you personally find paintball uh, I found paintball in a children's camp uh, it was a winter children's camp and mm -hmm. um, they got the 
advertising of uh, a chance playing paintball if you subscribe for staying in this uh, camp for like a week or two or so, like around the New Year's. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that it was interesting. So I was sent over there and had a chance to play a couple of times in paintball, got known with uh, people who were running it. Yeah. And got a chance to go in for paintball like already in Moscow after uh, after I finished this camp. And uh, those guys got a club and uh, got a, a children's department who were working with uh, kids as me. Uh, so that was the – it was that in the year 2000. That's how, it's, uh, that's how it has happened actually. So that's that's what year it was uh, when, you, when you found paintball was 2000? Yeah. Man. So, I mean, how is it like outlawed, not I want to say outlawed, but is it regulated, as, you know, like it is at some other countries as far as having a paintball marker or anything like that? <clears throat> I believe that back in those times, nothing was pretty much so regulated. Uh, if we're going to uh, compare it with Germany, for example, yeah, where you can't shoot anybody until you are 18 or so, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. With paintballs or anything. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they got like a tough history probably. That's why uh, it's happening. So, but yeah. uh, uh, but there, I mean, I was like 14 years old guy, and there were like girls and boys in the same team, and we were playing and shooting and going in for the same camp like next summer and getting ready for the tournament like a big cup or Russian cup or something. I can't say that. There was a coach. There were like elder guys who were operating the club who were like selling uh, different guns and everything out there. We were integrated and we were having fun and being really happy and lucky to have such kind of a a company uh, which we could go into and spend time like weekends and everything. So I want to make sure that I'm understanding this right. So when you guys were in this club, when you in this camp and everything, was it a right away kind of a tournament style of play, like on uh, on those kind of hyperball bunkers or air air bunkers? It wasn't any kind of rec ball in the woods. It was right to tournament. It was. Uh, we got. Since we were in this uh, group, like a sports group, we mm-hmm. were playing like a hyperball paintball. Yeah, oh, but really? I, I'm saying hyperball. I'm saying hyperball not because we got those uh, special bunkers. Yeah, right. as Americans are having. We we got. Uh, it, let's say it was a speedball. It was five on five speedball with uh, wooden bunkers that were uh, kind of the same shape as some of the uh, air bunkers. And okay. later, at the same field, uh, they were putting like air bunkers and mixing like wooden bunkers and air bunkers. So in general, uh, the experience of playing paintball was first, uh, like the sports paintball, right, not right. the woods ball. The format because you later, started, yeah. Yeah, the format was a sports format because like the children camp uh, back in this winter, uh, in between nine, 1999 and the year 2000, they were organizing uh, a tournament in between the children's squads, yeah, because there we got, like, uh, squad number one with, like, 30 guys in, squad number two with 30 guys in. Mm-hmm. We were living in different buildings, and they were we were from different areas from Moscow, uh, and they were making, like, a tournament in between us. And the easiest way to organize a tournament is, like, five-on-five five stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's... That's crazy. I mean, would you say that you guys are, and I say you guys, Russia itself or um, 
would you say that you guys are a little bit more on the competitive side than Americans with with going right into the tournament style of paintball and and throwing tournaments between each other, each club? Like, was it taken that serious? I, I, no, no, I, I can't say so. I was I was lucky to get uh, engaged into the sports paintball right away, but the majority of people getting into the sports uh, through the rag ball because mm-hmm. like it, it's it's very usual over here when uh, uh, when a kid wants to have a nice holiday he asks his parents to organize something in a paintball club oh, then different companies yeah then different companies are organizing like uh, team building activities at the paintball club and that's how also people are getting engaged in the paintball and we're gonna talk like about market in general or like mm-hmm. the features of paintball whatever right. uh, we still have like a a huge amount of the ragballers who uh, first uh, at first try paintball in the woods and then they realize like hey there is a sports uh, going behind uh, or aside with the forest paintball it's much more interesting it's brighter it's cooler it's faster and and they go into it right yeah because that was my that was my biggest question is is how popular it was or is over uh, over in your country and I, I just didn't know if it had the same pull like it does uh, in America, it's uh, comparing to America. It's not so popular because, like, uh, as far as I know, the statistics in America, uh, the uh, sport of paintball is right behind baseball or so. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, in in our country, it's not like that because it's, it's expensive. Yeah, but oh, yeah. we're gonna talk about the beginning of the 2000 and right now, like 2017. I must say that almost same amount of people are playing. We're we're not growing, but we're also not like going down. I mean, because hmm. uh, like for me, uh, the main um, um, the main point how I'm personally trying to uh, see uh, about how paintball is big in Moscow area, for example, mm-hmm. are the big maneuvers. This is the like big annual games. Uh, that is always organized like around May, uh, 9th of May or so. Yeah. Uh, and if it gathers like 3,000 people, it means paintball is okay in Moscow uh, yeah. area. And for many, many years, it's like around this amount of people are coming over there every mm-hmm. time, every time. Not more, not less. It, it's around that. I mean, do you have any, any clubs or, or people that are actually trying to grow the sport with, with their efforts? Or is it just kind of a, you know, everybody's just playing to play nobody's really trying to grow the sport would you would you say that uh, uh, there's a, there's a club uh, arena or arena or whatever if I gonna pronounce it without like, like any accent yeah uh, uh, so the owner of this facility has created the biggest ever and the most comfortable ever indoors uh, facility paintballs facility. Oh, really? I think that if you can Google, if you Google it, uh, like paintball arena or palace arena, uh, you're gonna find the information really easy with all the videos and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this guy, uh, his last name is Maximov. Uh, so he's always like uh, having uh, a children's team, uh, right? Uh, th- that has a right to practice in this indoors. Right. He has like his. Um, um, how's that club team like Coyotes, Moscow Coyotes? Mm-hmm. Those guys also having like some discounts on practice. And when you 
invest money in such kind of the facility inside of the town. And this facility is like 15 minutes away from the historical center of uh, Moscow city. Oh, really? Uh, you give opportunity yeah, to many people to uh, play paintball during the weekend without going anywhere from the city because it's a metro station like 15 minutes away walking from this palace arena too. Right. So up to me, that's uh, the best way to support paintball by having with all the uh, high uh, uh, pricing on uh, renting the land the inside of the city he's investing he's having this land he's like uh, for sure not having too much uh, in return but mm. he's still having this uh, facility out there and even russian legion um, having a great chance to practice over there during the daytime when the weather is bad and we can practice outside that's really cool to see i mean that's that that's got to be something that makes you feel good i mean with how much time and effort that you put into playing the sport you know seeing somebody actually over there spending the amount of money that you need to because paintball is expensive you know and and, and having somebody like that take the time and effort put in to an effort to make, and his yeah. money and, and, and his funds to create something like that where uh, us can uh, get better or spend their time it's it's just amazing no yeah. doubt yeah yeah it's awesome um, let's let's get back to you. So, you were you were in this club, this uh, this this uh, this club, and you were playing paintball, and you were getting ready. To... Yeah, and, and this club was called Paint Land. Paint Land. <laughs> Paint Land. That's yeah, awesome. that was a great name. Yeah, it was the first ever club in Russia that has been organized back in 1995. Wow. Now was. Um... Was anybody that you play with now or, or know who on the pro circuit that is Russian was in that club with you that you didn't know? Uh, uh, I knew. No, I, I knew. I mean, I mean, that you're friends with now, the, the, I guess. The, uh, the craziest story that in the same uh, children's camp, uh, there were uh, a group of guys from uh, nearby Moscow City. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where actually Kostya Fyodorov started to play paintball too. So we were engaged in the same competition, but from different teams. And uh, his team uh, won that New Year's competition back in 2000s. Mm-hmm. And uh, later, during the summertime, we both were in the sports uh, department of that uh, children's camp uh, playing paintball and getting ready for the uh, uh, big cup uh, tournament that was taking place in the autumn time, right after the summer time that we spent together uh, practicing and playing paintball in this children's camp. And uh, basically, I know a couple of another guys who were um, uh, who were not the same as me as players in there, mm-hmm. but they were like uh, rafts. They were like. Uh, uh, they were working for this club to organize the big games for the clients that were coming during the weekend. Right. And I know that they're still like around the market, but among the pro players, it's Kostya. Uh, among the others, I might know like two or three guys uh, who I remember back from those times and they're still around. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when did it start becoming serious for you? Like when, when did you, when did you do eventually get on, like a paintball team where you started playing tournaments regularly and started taking this a little bit more serious than just a, a club thing? I, uh, since I joined the Russian Legion, because before that, uh, we got inside of the Paintland Club, we got the children's team and the uh, elders team, uh, the Red Foxes. Mm-hmm. And 
I wanted to join the Red Foxes. I joined those guys who played a couple of tournaments, but uh, for me, somehow, I really wanted to uh, participate at uh, another level. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go abroad. Uh, uh, plus, uh, Fyodorov made the step first to go into the Russian Legion, and he said that it's uh, pretty interesting and possible to go there. Uh, uh, so I have decided to do the same. And then since I joined the Russian Legion, I realized that, hey, it's, it's not just something to do for fun, it's much more uh, that you can spend your time, that you can become better, that you can use like a real sports to upgrade yourself mm -hmm. uh, and uh, get a chance of develop uh, something that is not developed so far. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, would you say that you're wanting to compete at that next level? Um, is that just your competitive nature or did you play sports growing up or... I must, I, must, I must say that I just wanted to play for the best team where I need to make as less stuff as it is possible because those guys are already cool and yeah. you don't need to put like too much effort. I, I believe it's like a general feeling for everybody to go and play for the best team. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, where you don't need to, like to dig harder than you usually dig and so on and so forth. So up to me, as for the 14 years old kid, that was the best idea, just to go to the best team. Because the Russian Legion back at uh, 2001, 2000, they were just killing everybody. When you got a chill, I was horrified a couple of times when I had a chance to practice against them. Mm -hmm. I seriously wanted to stop playing paintball because those guys were running and bunkering you like really yeah. hard. And like off the break, it was really hard to survive. And wow, I mean, that was a huge impression. And of course, you want to go and be with those guys, at least among them. Yeah, so obviously the the guys who played on Russian Legion at the time when you were 14, 15, those were the guys that you looked up to uh, coming up in the game. And, I mean, were there any Americans that you kind of looked up to that you were intrigued by or knew anything about? <laughs> I believe the only American who everybody heard back at those times was Chris Lasoya. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and since, since we got like some videotapes, uh, and we saw like some tournaments. Uh, I believe that the best team that was really well known were the UK Predators. Or oh, so. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we were looking up to UK Predators as the best team ever and uh, to Chris Lasoya as the most athletic and kind of cool moving guy. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but. You not traveling anywhere. You just uh, being in paintball by watching the videotapes. Right. You kind of more stick to the guys who you really see, who you really saw how they're playing, and you played against them and all that stuff. The up close uh, and personal guys that you're. Yes, there. but exactly. But after you travel once, then when you start seeing like another role models and another players that you want to follow, and you realize that wow, there is a huge gap to grow <laughs> so far. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's it. Really intrigues me is that everybody, you know, overseas, uh, either in Russia or the UK or wherever anybody else played competitively. Like I, I feel like back then there was this big gap of I don't want to say talent, but I guess uh, exposure to the best teams in the world. And you compared the American, the the best of the American teams to some of the best of the foreign teams back then. And I feel like there was a big uh, a big gap there, which is obviously closed now. You know what I mean? But, but Carl, I... <laughs> it was not a gap. It was a universe in between <laughs> American teams and uh, 
and uh, European teams because, like, when uh, uh, we got a chance uh, to compete in the World Cup 2001, mm -hmm. I remember my own feelings, yeah, uh, because we got to practice against the ground zero right before the tournament. It was a 10-on-10 10, 10 10, uh, mm -hmm. format and 10-on-10 10 10 practice. And I remember that my job was to run into the center, settle and control one of the sides. Yeah. And I remember how I was running and looking at the guys who were running into the corner. And I was just running because I got a short tank. Yeah, everybody was shooting. This <laughs> yeah, way. everybody and had the Cobra. Yeah. A long tank. And they got a long tank. And while mm -hmm. running into the corner, they were looking at me and shooting at me. And they were killing me. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I, 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 I remember that I was shocked back at those times and realized that, wow, that we need to learn yeah mm -hmm. i mean we need to learn it's not going to be easy and that's when you realize and find another uh, role model uh, that you want to follow and that you want to develop yeah the you, you catch the skill you start working on this skill and maybe you're going to become better yeah but right. uh, seriously uh, the gaps in between the european paintball and american paintball started to close when uh, American paintball players started to go more over to the Millennium Series, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, this gap right now is pretty much closed. Oh yeah, yeah. I, of, Absolutely. of course, like maybe American players are a little bit better, yeah, but if you have like a solid European team that has all the same skills and have the same level of organization as a team, it's even for American team, it's really hard to deal with those guys. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like it's with anything, right? If you get exposure, um, and especially with the way that information is spread now, and with the internet, and with uh, with how serious people uh, can take things, um, you mm -hmm. know, I feel like, like you said, there is no gap. And I, I would, I would not even say that the Americans have an advantage uh, playing paintball wise against Russian Legion, against any any other foreign team. But I mean, you guys are kind of a step ahead of everything because the how you how serious you take it and how competitive you guys are uh, is just that's another another level from a European team as well. But um, but I, I, yeah, I, because our role model because our role model was the American uh, market, yeah, American mm -hmm. teams, not the European teams. We we knew that. We are like okay European team, but if we want to be the best, we must be a like American team, yeah. And since American uh, circuit is having a great chance of a natural selection, because mm -hmm. you guys have like out of while only one player is playing in Russia like for uh, a month, yeah. All at the same time in America, ten such kind of the guys are playing the month, yeah. Yeah. And, and and teams are picking up only the best, yeah. So so we're talking about one on ten chances, and of course Americans are much better in this. That's why we had to go uh, extension way, yeah. When we just take one person that maybe not talented, maybe doesn't know anything about paintball, and we just we just work over this person once and once and once again until this person catches everything. You mold them into what you want them to be. Exactly. Through the amount of time, he starts to be what we really want him to be. Yeah, and that's actually also a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because our way of uh, making uh, good players is more, is more like um, mechanical. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. it's mechanical. But American way is more talented, and a mechanical guy can be all the same, like fast snap shooter breakout shooter but maybe his head is not going to be there for 100 percent. so right. that, that that's that's the main difference 
up to me that uh, is between uh, the best American players and European players so far. But I, I think what you guys have in, in, you know, as far as an advantage goes, is you have that work ethic, right? You have that work ethic of where you will you will create the players that you need to, and obviously, just like with even with Americans, I feel like with those tournament losses, with those individual point losses, um, that builds that mental side, that experience that you need to where, uh, okay, I did this wrong this time, uh, and at a critical moment. And now mm-hmm. I know not to do that, or I, I know now to do something differently. And I think that is that is what these younger kids, these guys need, even if they have the best mechanics, right? They need that mental side, and all you're going to get is experience as you play these tournaments. You're 100% right, because you're also from the tournament's uh, paintball, and you know how it works. You know how to build up the confidence in the players, yeah? And you're you're pretty much right, Carl, about describing how it all happens. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it's good to see. I mean, I'm, we will get into uh, into your team uh, a little bit more uh, down the road, but I, I want to come back to you okay. again. Uh, so, were you, let's see, you were 14, 15 at the time. When... Did you have to try out for Russian Legion, or was it kind of an opportunity that was, you know, brought to you? It was. It was. A, it was a tryout. Um, um, I, I was. I was lucky because I believe my dad uh, knew somebody from Russian Legion who was organizing the team activities and oh, all really? that stuff. So yeah, so he kind of asked them to try me out together with two more guys from the team. So Russian Legion put us into the uh, uh, like a practice day where we were mixed up with another guys and playing like one team on another team. Like back in those times, we were playing seven main paintball. Yeah, so we were playing like seven and seven, mm-hmm. and they just looked about uh, probably how I move, how I shoot, how I want to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they took the decision to uh, pick us uh, and integrate into the Russian Legion because back in those days and. 2000 in the year 2000 i believe sergey got the final idea to organize like a, a, a team mm-hmm. uh he already knew that he needs to pick up like the young guys and there was an opportunity because the young guys already wanted to play for his team so that yeah. was like a win-win situation oh, for yeah. both sides yeah now uh was mishka on the team at the time mishka was already on the team yes and then Petya, pizza Vasiliev, who is dead now, he was already in the team too. So they were like the uh, uh, the second uh, generation of the team that has already been hired and played with the Russian Legion for two years or so by the 2000. Now, were you? Did you have uh, a job or anything lined up? Like, were you, were you working somewhere as you were playing on Russian Legion, or was Russian Legion once you got on that team, did it become an occupation? If that make does that make sense? Uh, can you? Can you can you repeat it once again because I I got a poor internet connection over here so uh Oh yeah for sure. Uh at the time when you tried out for Russian Legion, uh were you working for did you have a job at the time or when you got on Russian Legion was that your occupation once you got on the team? I was uh I was uh I was I was at the school. I was finishing the high school when I joined the Russian Legion. Gotcha. And then I, um, I, how's that? I went into the university, uh, and while I've been into university, I was a student, and I had a chance just to play and get like some salary from Russian Legion for the gas for my car and all that stuff. 
And and after and after I finished the university, I uh, usually you try to find a job, and mm-hmm. then I was offered the job in Russian Legion, and that's how everything got connected together. Yeah, yeah. Now, what did you say your first tournament was? Two thousand one World Cup. International. Yes. International. Yes. World International. Cup. Two thousand. Now, what was your first tournament with Russian Legion back at home? It was it was some uh, Saint Petersburg event, uh, summer event, where <laughs> where was another funny story, because like uh, we got two five man squads, mm-hmm. and one squad uh, had the best players, and another squad got like so so players, yeah, so team number one and team number two, and uh, young guys as me uh, were taken just as the eighth players yeah you know like a bench players they gonna play only in case of something horrible gonna happen <laughs> and usually nothing horrible was supposed to be happened but right. three guys from the main squad got a great night in saint petersburg came early in the morning destroyed <laughs> and that's how we got a chance to play for the second squad actually for the really? second squad yeah yeah <laughs> and, and we and we took second place right after the first squad but still, that was a great chance to show yourself and try the comp- uh, competitive paintball this way. Now, after after that event, did you start getting more playtime with the uh, the first squad, sure. or were you still on the second squad? Sure, still the second squad, but much more playing time and good opportunities to uh, show the skill for the first squad too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, now, were you playing? Obviously, you were young. You were athletic. Uh, what side of the field? I was not athletic. You were not athletic. I was not athletic. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I'm not as you. I was a little fatty back at those times. <laughs> now, uh, what position were you playing back then? Uh, uh, back semi. Um, oh really? Back semi. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's that's crazy. Because I always. Whenever I picture you, obviously picture you now, I always see you just in the middle somewhere or like secondary bumping into like a big spot. Obviously, you know, we're not as young as we used to be, but you're still in the mix, man. I, I see you up there. So I, hell, I thought you were like playing Snake or something back then or like first in the Doritos. <laughs> no, no. I personally, I learned how to dive normally, like normally without uh, hurting, hurting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Only in 2007. Wow, to be honest, yeah. Before that, I, I I didn't didn't know how to do that. I knew theoretically, yeah, and I could do it, but not like naturally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even remember how when I joined the team in two thousand, uh, there was a coach that was teaching us how to dive, mm-hmm. and he didn't know how to dive because he just saw some Americans making this. He saw some of his guys, maybe Mishka could dive kind of yeah. so so, yeah. But when you don't know how this mechanism is working, you can't teach it because you can't spread it into these simple steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this guy was just showing to us, hey, you stand and you jump onto the ground. <laughs> and I hit everything. <laughs> and after I, I decided not to even try that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then to, to close it to 2007, I have become like a little bit more athletic. I, I, yeah, I, I had a chance. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. I, I, I had a chance. I had a chance to play forward position. And since you are attacker, you must know how to dive. And since we also started to have our own facility with the uh, artificial grounds and turf, mm-hmm. 
it was like really easy to learn how to dive on turf and get used to dive onto the ground too. Yeah, yeah. When when you when you can break it down into simple steps and have somebody not hurt themselves, it's definitely a little bit more effective, I feel, than stand and then jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with no elbow pads. Because Yo, back oh my in God. those times, we're, we're all we're wearing just the knee pads maximum. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, when I first started too, I wasn't wearing. I think I wasn't even wearing knee pads or elbow pads. But eventually, after one or two times of the position that I wanted to play, I started playing that. And I was like, oh yeah, I better, I better invest in some pads, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, now, 2001 comes around. You guys play World Cup. You play your first international event. Um, at that time, did everybody, as a collective team? kind of look at each other and go yeah we need to get better or was it you as an individual said I need to work on myself at getting better if I want to compete against these guys or was everybody kind of in the same boat that was Sergey who said hey guys I want my team to play better and he forced us all to play better by organizing the practice system that well followed now at this time did he did he you guys have the coaches and the trainers and you know everything that you're we, known for? We, everything was like in a demo mode, yeah? Mm-hmm. We got some guys who could help us. We kind of practiced like two days a week or so. It was like a proto version of Russian Legion, yeah? We got like all mechanism, but they were not connected together, mm-hmm. and we connect them only in 2004 altogether. Gotcha. Now, when, when did... Um, what did Sergey or why did Sergey get into paintball and wanted to fund a paintball team like Russian Legion? Um, I think I, I, I know that uh, the team history uh, started back in 1996. I think it was something new and interesting that um, a man can play. Yeah, it's not a soccer. It's not a, like whatever, lone tennis or anything like this. Yeah, uh-huh. you, you shoot people. And I believe that back in those days, he saw like a potential in the sports. Uh, he uh, how's that? Asked his uh, bodyguards to play with him, and they formed like a pretty nice his bodyguards. Team. His bodyguards, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how many more questions I can ask about him, or if I'm gonna have to worry about. <laughs> like, what does he? What does he do? There, he was a banker, and back in the 90s, you had to have bodyguards uh, since you're the guy who's having money. So it's it's pretty normal situation. When when I say that, or when you ask this question, don't be too shy about this, because that was like our history with bandits around. And uh, like 90s in, in Russia, in Moscow, were like a, a very... A very interesting moment of time yeah so that's why people were having bodyguards people got arms with them and all that stuff but anyways wow. he he formed the team later <laughs> those guys realized uh, another uh, page of paintball mm-hmm. as of the tournament paintball so they decided to compete in some moscow events then they realized that there is an international level they decided to compete in some european events mm-hmm. and that's how it all uh, happened together and I, I also believe from another uh, point of view that uh, uh, guys who have money, they always have a uh, desire to be, to invest somewhere, yeah, mm-hmm. or to create something. 
since they has this opportunity. So right. I believe this also that that was like a big factor that affects affected Sergey back in those days and kind of still affected him because he can see um, what a difference we're making for the sports. Right, right. Did I mean did he want to invest in the league? Is that what you're talking about? Like the the league that they're playing in themselves? The NX, uh, at the time, what the PSP. With the NXL, yeah, he, or the yeah, NXL. With, the NXL, with NXL, all owners had to invest. Uh, they had to uh, buy a franchise that was like oh, fifty thousand yeah. dollars or so <laughs> back in those times. So they were become they were becoming like a, a, a part uh, ownership uh, mm-hmm. in the NXL league. So that was also like a big investment in in uh, like a financial investment yeah. in yeah, sports gamble in America. Yeah. Now, when did he stop being involved with the team, or or is he still involved with the team? Um, it was in 2010 when uh, we got the economical crisis uh, phase two happened over here in in Russia, and he had to um, reappoint uh, uh, his uh, views and his time, and he had to focus on bank. Uh, instead of just being with us and traveling with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he still uh, was interested with the results of the team and he was asking for the um, statistics and for all the information that coaches were able to provide to him. Now, when uh, when you guys started winning, when you started being, becoming more relevant in the tournament scene uh, across, you know, across the, uh, in the new... Well, NXL and mm-hmm. you know that series. Uh, when did when was your guys' first win? When was it? Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Northeast. That's Open. right. That's right. Because I remember that. Because it, actually, you guys, I remember watching Russian Legion play, and I was playing on Tipman Effect at the time, and I remember watching you guys play, and the fundamentals and just the basics were so sharp and you guys were already at the time running and shooting and i i've seen people run and shoot but when i saw you guys do it i was like this is insane like this this is what i need to do if i want to go from tipman effect to wherever you know my career is going to take me after that and mm-hmm. it was such a huge influence for me i remember it so vivid being on you know i had my nose to the net watching you guys <laughs> play and i was just like this is this is what i have to do if i want to become relevant in this game and it was just, it was amazing to see and uh, to have you guys come come from, you know, shooting, you know, shooting like this and, and doing and doing this whole thing and, and having the kind of skill that you guys showed up with in 2004 was just, it was amazing. That's, that's actually like 2004 uh, being like a huge year for us because we finally integrated the system that we're still running. The five days of practice when people are kind of hired for this job as a professional sportsman. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea is simple once again. Uh, what Americans are having because of their talents, we could have by spending hours and hours at the field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why you could see like a fantastic basics. Also, in 2004, uh, we were competing at the European Axe Bowl League that was parallel to Millennium, seven men tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were stomping this league. That's where we got the confidence. And then we got a chance to come to one of the U.S. events and try our powers 
because last time we played in U.S. event in 2003 at the World Cup and got smashed like in quarters or mm-hmm. one eighth by Strange or or some other team. Uh, and then we had to boost us up and we boosted. And in 2004, uh, we stomped the EXL once again and got a chance to win the first major uh, national American event as a yeah. team, as a one team. Now, at this time, at 2004, were you now a regularly paid athlete on Russian Legion where you could kind of support yourself, or was it still gas money at the time? Uh, still gas money. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I was, like, from a wealthy family, and everybody knew that, so they were not, like, giving me, like, money for a living, yeah? There mm-hmm. were some other guys who were making money for a living this way because they, uh, did, they didn't have, like, apartments in Moscow City and they couldn't travel uh, by themselves, yeah? So that's why club was supporting them much more by uh, renting uh, an apartments for them mm-hmm. and uh, giving them much more money for a living. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but I, I was getting gas money till I um, till uh, till 2006 probably when I when I when when we took the cup and we proved that hey we're I'm 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 also one of them one of the monsters that can can be uh, having a little bit more money than just uh, gas money. See, so. you know, saying that too, it's like you know obviously everybody holds some kind of standard where if somebody comes from a wealthy family and if they also get incentives on doing something it's like oh well he has money blah 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 like well i i think of it as dude if if you come from a wealthy family that's a benefit right great but if you are worth something or or, you, or if you're doing something to where you are productive even in paintball on the field uh doing whatever i still feel like you should get your fair share cut as if you, if it, 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 it is, but but comparing me with another players, I, I wasn't that great. That's why I was time. not like, okay. yeah, at the time. That's why I was not like asking or re-asking because club was taking the decision and I was already happy with okay. that decision that club take about me. Yeah, because once again, I'm telling you, I was not like super athletic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was not like super fantastic talented. I was not like making fantastic snapshots or so. I was just working hard to be at the middle position in my team back in those days. So that's how much you were getting mediocre playing time. Uh, was that? Were you getting like like mediocre playing time, like some playing time, yeah, but yeah, not? Yeah, 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 yeah. That no. was so. That was so. And then uh, you said 2006 comes around, and you guys won cup in 2006. Yeah. See, I I have some memories of it, and and some I don't because of some of the teams I was on. Let's see, 2006 I was, I was excessive. At the time, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we got who knocked us out? I can't even remember from the World Cup. Yeah, two thousand six. That was us. Fuck, it was you Semi- guys, wasn't it? Sem- semi-finals, yeah, us. <laughs> Dude, okay, I'm gonna tell you right now. Through my entire paintball career that I have had against you guys, no matter what team I was on, dude, I would always have the roughest time, and I have such a bad record against you guys. It's it's ridiculous, and then like I would I would go to another team. I'm not saying it like I go. To, I have many teams, but like uh-huh. um, let's say next year I play on another team, and the team that I used to be on would beat you guys or something like that, and then the team that I'm on now would struggle against you guys. So I could never win, no matter what I did against <laughs> you. But, but it's uh, in your head, Carl. It it's must in be. Your head. I don't know what I the hell's going yeah. on. It's, if it's in my head, it's in everybody's head because the whole team couldn't do anything. 
But, uh, but, but yeah, no, I, but remember I remember that now. But I remember the tricky part of that competition against you guys was that Dave Baines left you right before the cup. That was it. And that was the that was a tournament where there was two – no, that wasn't the two different layouts. That was, I think, 2006. 2006 were two different layouts because before the major competition, they made kind of international tournaments mm-hmm. where they changed a little bit the field. That's right. That's right. Let, let, let four European teams to play against four American teams play this whatever cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they changed the field for the real world cup. That's right. That's right. That, that, I, I remember that now. And, and probably you guys had some hard times against us because they've told us a little bit about the excessive. A little bit about Son the excessive. Of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense now. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> now uh now at this time you had um you had more than russians playing on the team right then you have a couple uh, americans and some uh, uh, in 2006 yes oh we got we got uh actually 2006 was another huge step for us because we integrated into the team the blonsky brothers yep. and alex lundquist and those guys showed us a way different uh, uh, paintball, uh, like a team paintball and uh, American paintball that we could learn from them, integrate into the system, and mm-hmm. play all together afterward. And by the end of the year, yes, we uh, uh, got Dave, who even back in those days uh, was already like a, a huge team leader and the guy who can explain things really well. And uh, um, yeah, and that's how we started to pick up more and more Americans, uh, not just to uh, uh, play better, but we also wanted to prove uh, the American circuit that we're not those invaders from Russia that comes and just want to beat everyone. Yeah, we we're, we we also have an Americans and mm-hmm. we're playing like the National League uh, because we want to grow paintball. We just don't want to stomp everybody out there. Yeah. Well, if I was on the team, I'd tell everybody that I want to stomp everybody, anybody who I play. <laughs> but, but I think I, I think it's good though. I think you know how you guys went about it. I, I think it was the true professional team, right? You had guys who were getting paid, but their job was to perform. Every time they went to a tournament, it was to perform. Mm-hmm. It was to be at your highest level. And I feel like, and I don't know what your take on it is, but you know, I just did a podcast last night with a couple of my friends had a couple beers and started, you know, it was a good podcast, but, um, uh-huh. we were talking about this and we were like, where is the direction of paintball going? At least professional paintball. Is it going to eventually be where, you know, you have these couple teams that are paying these guys to be professional players and they get the opportunity to play during the week because they're getting a paycheck from the team. So now they're playing three, four, five more times a week than the normal, you know, let's say guy on aftershock, um, mm-hmm. or or anybody any other team out there. So, um, do you think it's going to eventually be where, you know, to have everybody be at the same level, if that makes sense, everybody gets paid to 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 put in the effort to be a good team. So, uh, it's obvious, yeah. So, Russian Legion proved it. Impact is proving it, but before it hit, was proving the same stuff. Now mm-hmm. Impact is proving the same stuff. And when you have such kind of a team, 
such kind of a group, those guys are much higher than everybody else. Yeah. yeah? And it's obvious that if we want to grow up the sports and want to make a high competition, the more of such kind of a teams we're having, the more competition we have. And right. paintball is going to be at a way another level than just weekend practice sessions or just two weekends before the major tournament event practice and then just go and do what you have learned like in those 12 to 14 hours at the field. Right, right. And, I, and I'm not trying, I'm really not trying to bitch and complain about it because I think it's just something that it is tr truly, I feel, unfair only being able to have, I sound like a little bitch saying it like this, but um, I, I just feel like it's so I don't want to say unfair. It's really hard to compete against the teams that are, that are getting in so much time besides the couple I, weekends I, beforehand. Exactly, but I believe it's it's all the same about all other sports. Yeah, if you can, we. I really like the movie with uh, Brad Pitt about baseball team. Yeah, mm -hmm. where where he is a coach of oh, a yeah. low level baseball team. Yeah, and he's saying like, hey, how we can fulfill the uh, goals of our boss this season when we have less money than like all other top teams in the league right now, yeah? Mm -hmm. And they found their way, yeah? To yeah. be not maybe the best, but to set up some records. So uh, overall, what I want to say that it's normal for all the sports and all teams are trying to find their uh, best ways how to get to this level, yeah, through the... Uh, of, uh, team activities through some special strategic plans by mm -hmm. using their uh, young players, maybe using their veteran players, using their experience. It's it's just a matter of uh, uh, creation. Yeah, what other teams can do uh, to get to the same level and to be as effective and surprising for those monsters that are having all of the money and all of the superstar players uh, on the market, what they want to have. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's definitely not the issue where, you know, throwing a bunch of money at a team that obviously doesn't work all the time. But if you can afford to make those mistakes of of trying different players out and finding that right mix, you know, that obviously helps. Um, but, it obviously helps. It yeah. Is. yeah. But it's just it's. I think personally that any team can win on any given weekend or any given tournament. Right. If there if I mean, you guys could play your asses off the 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 tournament before, but it comes to a next tournament mm -hmm. and it, something's just not working. Right. And it just doesn't click. It doesn't happen. And then let's say Seattle Thunder comes through and they just have an on tournament. Right. But all the other tournaments, they they don't have, you know, what it takes. But but I think to be at this level, anybody can compete. But I feel like to be consistent. I think that's when it comes down to being around your team constantly, playing together constantly, getting that vibe down. Um, I, and I having a mutual goal. That is also very important, to have a mutual yes. goal. Because usually on such kind of the teams where people are getting together and picked up, like from different uh, places and different teams, mm -hmm. it's really hard to set up the one mutual goal. And... Um, organization that Russian Legion is having, one of the best parts that we have is about setting up the goals in the beginning of the season and trying to fulfill them. That's how yeah. everybody is staying on the same page and knows exactly what he needs to do uh, to achieve the goal that, we'll, that we all agreed in the beginning of the season.
Yeah, and it's meeting those small goals. I mean, it's a, you know obviously the one big goal is to win, but those small goals even during the tournament. Um, uh, to oh, it, yes, it's a, it's a perfect example because when you just uh, set a goal in front of you to win, yeah, and you have like ten guys that will be going to this goal. Mm-hmm. All of those ten guys are gonna be going by different directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to this, and that's when uh, chaos can happen, and people will not even uh, make like a halfway to this goal of winning a tournament. That's why each person having his small goal, then squads are having their small goals, and they're focused on achieving those goals, because if they achieve those, they're coming much closer to the main goal, yeah, and that's how it all works, like, uh, it's tactics, because, like, uh, winning the tournament is a strategy, and probably players not supposed to think about this, because they will be thinking not about their own game this time. Mm -hmm. They need to think about the tactics, and coaches need to think about the strategy, that's how it all works. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's uh it's the small battles to win the war. And, it is, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to a moment in your career of and, and kind of get an idea of what you were thinking at the time. And it's when you blew out, or I don't know if it was a tear or a complete rupture of your Achilles tendon. Mm-hmm. Um, when when was that, and uh, how did that happen? <laughs> It was in 2013. Yeah, some lucky numbers coming <laughs> to, <laughs> and it came from nowhere. Uh, it was in um, West Coast Open, uh, the 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 fourth event or the third event of the season in August. Um, I, I was just that was the second match of the day. I was just playing as normal. I was moving from one bunker to another. And I felt that somebody's uh, cracked in in me in my uh, uh, left leg. Yeah? yeah. So I made I made a dive. I turned around. So no one. Uh, the the point was finished. I wanted to stood up and realize that my leg is not working completely well. Yeah. Oh, and, and yeah. And then I realized that I read about this that when the Achilles tendon uh, is uh, getting torn you feel that somebody is striking you with this stick from behind, yeah? yeah. And it was c- completely the same feeling that I had, so I knew for sure that it's torn completely, yeah? And um, I came back home, I had an operation, and I was lucky to have this uh, injury uh, by the end of the season because I could, couldn't play only the cup and then the first event of the next season, 2014. But by the second event, I was completely okay. Uh, not completely. I was partly okay. Mm-hmm. And and, um, and by the end of the season, I was already running as usual. Yeah. Oh, but the, yeah, but the trick is that uh, all um, all doctors are saying that first trouble with the Achilles is your genetics because my dad had the same trouble on his right leg only oh, wow. so I probably yeah I probably uh, have uh, the bad genetics and second stuff about the shoes that you choose to play uh, and shoes that you use must have like a very uh, soft and flexible sole yeah mm-hmm. so you, you you know what I'm talking about oh, where, yeah. where the spikes where the spikes are yeah yep. So uh, that's why I'm, I'm I'm not using after after this moments any um, like American football cleats or anything because they have like a very hard soles. Yeah. 
yeah, but that was a pretty interesting experience of, <laughs> of my life. <laughs> yeah, no, now I want to I kind of go through it. Um, when, before it initially happened, there were no signs, no signs of anything that could be wrong? Did you feel a little bit of something before you went out there? I, yeah, I felt, I felt that Achilles were kind of... Nothing concerning though, like you didn't... You... Yeah, all, my feelings, when I was getting getting into the bed, I always wanted to stretch them, yeah, to stretch them more, both actually Achilles and my legs, because we were mm -hmm. practicing a lot, we were running onto the hard ground, we were also having a chance to play a beach volley uh, on the right. sand, and, and I was thinking that it's normal, since your uh, heel is always going low into the sand, mm -hmm. that's when the Achilles is getting stretched more and more, and I, I thought that it's okay. But now I realize that it is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so there was some kind of hinkling that. Uh, yeah, there was. That, that was a could feeling that. Yeah, that 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 reminds you that hey, you have an Achilles because before <laughs> that I never I never felt Achilles or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah, the best the best option that I can propose to people when you realize that you suddenly have an Achilles on your legs. Uh, go to the doctor or like take a pause like two or three yeah. weeks don't do anything because otherwise you got to have like a very interesting experience yeah man I, I had no idea that it started out being genetic issue too um, that's that's pretty interesting and, and we're talking about it too I don't I have never been a fan of wearing football football cleats um, mm-hmm playing paintball because I mean I mean we're on our knees all the time and our toes are being bent and our feet are being folded over all the time and I I wore uh I think for football when I played football I wore soccer cleats and I've always uh -huh. worn soccer cleats and I I thought I wear uh shout out to Nike um but uh, uh -huh. I wear I wear so <laughs> low low um or ankle high or I wouldn't even call them ankle high they're below my ankle but they're just uh Soccer cleats. And they they little, have... They're a little higher. They're a little higher than the uh, general usual soccer cleats. What are you talking well, about? Yeah. So, well, the ones the ones that I wear, uh, they go actually underneath my ankle bone on the on the edge. Like they're they're a normal size soccer cleat. So I don't wear the ankle. I don't like anything around my ankle. I like being able to mm -hmm. being able to move it. And I, like I said too, we're always folding our feet over and we're always moving it. And whenever I picked up a fo uh, football cleat, that thing was stiffer in hell. And I was like, this is going to be so uncomfortable to try and bend that while I'm playing and be able to – I don't know how people do it, honestly. I think soccer cleat is the best thing to wear. They are. Another option is the uh, cleats for the light athletics, especially if you are the uh, attacker and you just need to go forward. Mm -hmm. So they, those shoes are the best also. I believe you were also using those back in 2006 or so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're, was... they're super light, and the only trouble with them that you don't have any spikes on the heel, so you can't stop yourself. But when yeah. you're an attacker, you just dive and stop yourself. That's it. Well, actually, thinking of, you're, uh, you're talking about the, the sprinting cleat, the track cleats. Um, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Just give me a second. <laughs> no problem. I'm pretty sure that was his doorbell. I think there's somebody at his door, or he just ordered pizza. <laughs> Interview, interview. <laughs> so, sorry, my, my my wife came back finally. No, that's all right. We'll 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 wrap it up here soon. I promise. Okay. Um, but uh, but no, I never wore track cleats um, back in the day because they didn't have 
Hi. Um, that's the that's the sole reason why I didn't wear track cleats back then is because they didn't have anything on the heel, and I I liked going from side to side and being able to stop mm-hmm. instead of just going forward. But um, <laughs> um, did you at the time did you consider not playing paintball anymore, or was it just something on was this just an obstacle uh, as far as your Achilles go to to overcome? I wanted to stop. I, I felt that it's a sign from the universe that I need to stop playing paintball because back in those days, uh, team had like a big, big troubles. I was among the guys who was trying to solve those troubles by staying in the team, by uh, playing more, by uh, hoping more, mm-hmm. by trying different people getting into the team and uh, trying to be the best again. And it was like a really hard job to be done because like we had to do this in 2012 already. Mm-hmm. In 2013, it comes to be even harder. I thought, okay, now it's time to finish, maybe become a coach, maybe to find a real job and all that stuff. But, uh, but uh, our uh, boss, team boss, Tarando, Alexander mm-hmm. Tarando, told me, one very important thing that I must uh, step to the paintball field again as a player because otherwise I'll be I'll be afraid of playing and making sports again mm-hmm. if this injury gonna force me to stop playing in sports or anything like that. Yeah, that I I I just simply must go into the field again, and it inspires me really much. Uh, also, uh, the uh, perfect uh, clinic where I was put in by Sergey uh, to uh, make an operation also inspired me a lot. I realized that team really needs me, mm-hmm. uh, club really need, uh, club really needs me. So I put all my effort to get back as quick as this possible and to be as effective as this possible for my team. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, personally, I, I think you came back, you know, stronger and sharper, smarter. Um, anything you want to put down, I, I f- me watching you, um, you've always been one of my top players that that I thought played this game, and uh, I, I think you just you made a complete comeback, and I think it's I think it's great. I'm glad you came back. Thank you, thank you so much, Carl. It really means much for me because we're competing against each other for a very long time. Yeah. I, I never can run as quick as you are, but I really, really thank you for saying such a good word about the way how I play pain. Thank you. Yeah, I think you're an inspiration for, you know, not only uh, the new guys on your team, for, for you know, kids coming up who are fans of Russian Legion. I think you're, you're a great example of what a professional should be. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what uh, is your occupation – now just playing paintball or is it uh is it something else no i'm i'm making all the negotiations for my club i'm like a sponsor relations manager uh and that's that's my main occupation for the team i'm making i'm also like making designs for the team i'm making all those uh small talks about organizing team practices and all that stuff so i'm like a partly manager uh partly player in the team that's awesome, man. Um, I would love to uh, continue this conversation sometime, uh, maybe towards, maybe even the off season or something like that. I I love 
hearing other people's stories and and that's why i wanted to to get you on this thing and i'm not going to hold you up for too much longer but i i really thank you for sitting down and, and sharing your whole story with me man no problem carl it's been like a big honor and big pleasure for me to participate in your uh, podcast and that's very great stuff that you're doing because uh, uh big, big companies that produce videos they're not telling like those small stories that people can tell themselves to you and th that's a great idea to make such a podcast thank you very much man i will uh i will see you soon at world cup Yes, see you soon, and I love your area with all the jerseys that you got over there. I'm I'm, I'm having such kind of idea also to put all all of my jerseys. Yeah, man, I need to get a jersey of yours. But I need to get a jersey of yours. Yeah, we'll do that. I gotta we'll get that. one. We'll, we'll trade jerseys. <laughs> yes, let's do the well, So, see you. Thank you. Sounds so good, much. bud. Take care. Bye bye. See ya. I forgot that that signal was kind of sucky. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought one of those wireless enhancers or the Wi-Fi enhancers, and uh, it didn't really help that well. <laughs> it was still kind of choppy, but I mean, I, I thought we uh, thought we still had a pretty good episode. Um, it was really cool hearing his story, and I was always curious at how strict paintball was and and what it was like growing up in uh, in Moscow you know, during the time that he did and how the whole tryouts and everything came about. And it was, it's super nuts. I, I always wanted to kind of visit Russia and see the camp and see how they kind of do things over there. And same thing with Europe. I always wanted to go to Europe and just see how different paintball was or is actually still um, over there. But I had a really good time. Thank you, Kirill, so much for uh, sitting down and talking to me. Uh, another quick thank you to our sponsors, Dr. Paintball. Uh, you can find them over at drpaintball.com. Uh, like I said before, they are uh, they're more than willing to help you out with uh, any kind of gear that you need, and uh, they can help you finance it. So thank you to Dr. Paintball, also to Charm City Paintball, where they can make any kind of headgear that you like at least with the fabrics that he has, but it's all custom gear. It's really cool stuff. Check him out. Facebook, Charm City Paintball. Um, we also are brought to you by Carbon, where they have the SCC, SCC, the CC line coming out, but they also have new uh, SC stuff coming out. So uh, make sure you keep an eye out for that. And also brought to you by Planet Eclipse, makers of the LVR, which I shoot and enjoy thoroughly. Um, Another big thank you to all of our sponsors. Ah, oh yeah, another episode up and down. Thank you guys for joining me so much. Uh, if you are wanting to contact me at all through uh, through social media or through any kind of other platform, um, I am Carl underscore Markowski on Instagram. There is also the Playing on Podcast, um, but I am also on Facebook at uh, Carl Microwave Markowski or under uh, the Playing On Podcast. But uh, I appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you again soon here on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.